Got to remember to turn my cell phone off. That would be embarrassing. Um, I'm Bob Kedlisek. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater in Montrose, and uh, we've been in this series, Open House. Um, been just thinking about the news recently. Um, our world is really messed up, isn't it? Amen. I mean, if if it, for someone, for multiple people, right, to strap explosives to their bodies and then go into a crowd full of women and children and blow themselves up. I mean, that is so wrong and messed up and disturbing on so many levels. Like, what kind of a world is it that we live in? And then you read that there are 40 million slaves today, plus or more, in this world. Um, in shackles. You know, it's not just something from the Civil War or the past. It's not just a, an American problem. This is a global problem, most of them being in India even. A and then closer to home, uh, I think up at the Green yesterday, there was uh, the suicide, um, what's that called? Prevention. Prevention. Stop the Stigma rally yesterday, Saturday, and and uh, drug abuse and crime is on the rise throughout our country. Uh, it's not like it was low before, um, but it, it's been growing. And so what is the solution? Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I can do anything. I can do anything. And he decided with all that power, all that authority, the solution to the world was make disciples. That's the solution. And, and so that's, that's the purpose and goal of everyone who's following Jesus Christ. That's the purpose and goal of our church, to make more and to make better disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and that is the solution to all, every, you know, almost all of the problems in the world, from, from hunger and famine to civil war that's, that's, you know, just destroying so many nations, to so the crime and the corruption and Haiti and the United States and, and all this. That is the solution. But you know what? I think most of us don't really believe that. I mean, that's the church saying solution. You know, in a church, what's the solution? Well, it's this. But I think deep down we think maybe it's politics, maybe it's military, maybe it's something else. And maybe deep down a lot of you are thinking maybe it's hopeless. But, but Jesus is the solution. And I want to tell you about a historical occurrence, 1904 to 1905. It's called the Welsh Revival. And uh, there was a man by the name of Robert Evans, and he dropped out of school when he was 12 years old to go work in the coal mines in Wales, and um, accepted Jesus as a Savior at 13, all through his teenage years would attend every prayer meeting in town. And when he was 26, the pastor gave him an opportunity, he says, you can speak after prayer meeting. So there were 16 people there, and he spoke to them, and he made such an impact. The next prayer meeting came, there were dozens of people there. The next one came, there were hundreds there. The next one came, there were thousands there. And, and God used this man to begin something, and he, never, he didn't like his picture taken. Most people, if I would say, Robert Evans, ever heard of him? You'd be like, never heard of him. Um, and that was on purpose. But he, he had four things at this prayer meeting that he talked about. And those people he talked to, they shared those four things with others. And they shared those four things with others. And these were the four. Number one, you need to confess your sin and ask Jesus to forgive you. Number two, if there's anything in your life that you are doubtful about, like you're not sure it's right, stop it. 
Number three, if the Holy Spirit prompts you to do anything, you need to do it. If you, need, if you feel like you need to talk to someone, you talk to them. If you feel like you need to go somewhere, you go somewhere. If you feel like you need to give something away, you give it away. And number four was publicly talk about Jesus with others. That, that was it. And, and people started doing that throughout Wales. It's called the Welsh Revival. In two years' time, about 100 to 150,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And many times it was the worst of the worst. It wasn't a, a preaching revival. Nobody really preached. They met together for prayer, and people would stand up, and they would talk about what Jesus had done in their life. And they would say, and, and there were so many times where, you know, I defrauded that person, and, and here's all the money I have, and I'm giving it back because I robbed from you. Remember when, when those, those chickens disappeared? and those, That was me, and I'm sorry. And, and it, it just transformed. So here's, here's a story from that time. Linfee Valley Court averaged 700 court cases a week. Before the revival, during the revival, they averaged two. There, there are other stories like that where they would have, um, in, in smaller towns like this, uh, Wales at that time had a little over two million people in that. It's kind of almost like a state within Great Britain. Um, but they, they had smaller towns like this where they would have the magistrate come and sit in a seat and, and the, the, the police officer of the court, whatever that guy's called, the warrant officer? I don't know what he is, but he would take a pair of white gloves and ceremonially present them to the magistrate because there were no court cases to be decided that day. No crimes had been committed. So a reporter was talking to the police and said, so, so what do you do now? And they said, well, before we were traffic control at, at you know, large gatherings and things like that, and then we were also you know, investigated crimes. And so now we pretty much just go to meetings because that's the only place where crowds are these prayer meetings, and we've gotten pretty good. We have three quartets among the police because a lot of our police officers have gotten saved, and so they, they sing at these, you know, they, they direct traffic for the crowds, and then they sing at the meetings. In fact, I don't, have any of you heard of Gamung Veganis? Gamung Veganis? You haven't? So this was a big deal in Scranton because, see, my, my wife's grand, great-grandparents were there during the, the Welsh revival. And her grandparents accepted Christ as Savior. And there's a lot of Welsh Hill Bible Church, Neath Church. There's a lot of Welsh churches because so many of them got saved and many came to work in the coal mines in Scranton. They'd had these festivals called Gamung Veganis. Now, it doesn't sound like that if you see it written out because it's Welsh. And Welsh is like lots of W's and Y's and it doesn't make any sense to me. But um, I remember a record Becky's grandma had of one of these Gamung Veganis of over a thousand men singing hymns together, a cappella. They used to do this in Scranton. They'd have these festivals, and thousands of Welsh people would get together and singing in their own language at the top of their lungs, praises to God. More and better disciples, that is what the solution to everything that's wrong in this world is, and I think those four rules are great rules to take in our life. If there's something in your life that you're not sure it's right or wrong, just stop it. And if God is, Holy Spirit is prompting you to do something, just do it. And, and talk to others about Jesus. We're calling this series Open House. We're talking about why we do what we do as a church. Pull back the curtain. Say, why are, you know, these, why are the drums in a cage? Okay, you'll have to listen to a previous message about that one. But um, today we're going to talk about the living room because life 
is better connected. Um, so we, we want this Sunday morning service is kind of like a porch. A porch is where you meet people for the first time. It's where you welcome guests, and we want to make it welcoming. We have no bouncers at the door yet. You know, no, no bouncers at the door. We have other environments like this as well that are porch environments. Voyager is going to start up. That is a porch environment. I have found for my children, Daniel's in fifth grade, the kids in his class are more likely to, to come to Voyager and an invitation to Voyager than to a Sunday morning service because you see then the parents don't have to stay, right? And they can't drive yet in fifth grade. So it's... You know, it's, and so that's a Voyager is a porch environment for our children to say, hey, we want to welcome you in. And in, starting September 27th, we're going to do, I, I'm calling it the Monday Manly Meal. And uh, there's three things about it. Number one, it's Monday. Number two, it's men. Number three, it's a meal, okay? And so we're going to get together. We're going to have really good food. One of the days we're going to have ribs, okay? We're going to, like, even spend money, um, <laughs> And, and get really good food. We have contracted, not contracted, he's volunteering, but an excellent chef who um, is going to be in charge of some of these meals. And, and we're going to just another porch environment. Invite guys to this who maybe wouldn't come to a Sunday morning. And then there'll be, a, you know, five, ten minutes, talk about men and, and, and character and God. And then talk about it at the tables in an hour and a half. You have a great meal and you're gone. Um, but porch environments. But the porch is not where we want everyone to stay. We don't want, you don't just invite people over to your, maybe you do, invite people over to your porch and then you're like, well, thanks for coming. Have a good day. No, you want to invite them in, maybe to the kitchen to serve together or maybe to the living room to build a relationship a little bit more. And so that, that, that's what we're going to talk about today is in our church, living room environments, which are mostly small groups. The great thing about small groups is everything's a small group. If it's a small group, right, you can call it Celebrate Recovery and have it at the, at the old church building in town, and that's a small group, and, and they talk about stuff there together and spiritual things, and, and then you can have a men's group. I'm, I'm part of a men's group and want to start two more this, this year, and we basically read a book, and we get together once a month, and we talk about it and pray for each other, and that's a small group, um, and so... What we want to talk about, the purpose of small groups is really to have spiritual conversations and encourage godly relationships. Um, And I want to talk about four attributes of godly relationships. And one of the reasons I talked about this with the men who are on the kayaking trip this weekend, um, we are in a, a friendship recession in the United States. And it has hit men and women both, but for whatever reason, it's hit men harder. And I don't really know why. Um, in 1990, 3% of men said, I have zero friends. Today, it's five times larger. 15% of men said, I have zero friends. In 1990, um, most men would say, I have, I have more than six friends. Six or more, most men would say. Today, less than 25% of men said I have six or more friends. And, and this is, it, it, women have similar drops, and not, not as great drops in friendships, not as large, but, but it's there as well. Friendship recession. I don't know what's driving it, but I know what the solution is. The solution 
is for us as followers of Jesus Christ to, to intentionally build relationships with other people and friendships. And, and four attributes of godly relationships. Here's number one. They're rooted in Jesus. The healthiest relationships have Jesus in common. You know, every relationship begins with something in common. Maybe you all work together at the same place, and so you, you, you get a relationship with coworkers. Maybe you live in the same community and you form relationships with neighbors because you have that in common. Maybe you're all in the same family and you live together. Well, hopefully that, that, that can, that's something in common that you build relationships there with. Or you'd love Penn State football and there's something. And the best thing, to, the best anchor for relationships, the most fertile soil for good, healthy, godly relationships is if you have Jesus in common. And so I know there's people here that, that come every week, you're not ready to follow Jesus, but this is, and I'm glad you're here, and you can see what, what, what it is and what this is about. This is a message primarily to believers. We need godly relationships with other believers that are rooted in Jesus, and we're going to look at Ephesians and, and to see these four um, attributes of godly relationships in Ephesians. He starts off, and this is a church in what is now Turkey, actually one of the longest lasting churches in church history. It lasted over a thousand years and then was scattered uh, by Muslim invaders. But he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit, through your inner being. This is Jesus, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And this rooted and established in love is really because of Christ dwelling in our hearts. That's where the love comes from. It doesn't, we don't manufacture it inside ourselves. Jesus loves us, and that love from Jesus just gets rooted in our lives. Um, for over a decade, we have tried to grow rhubarb, Okay. Okay, my wife loves rhubarb. Becky eats it raw. Any of you eat rhubarb raw? You would. <laughs> Not you, Ben. Laura. Laura. See, she, she eats apple seeds, too. It's just, anyway, she eats everything. But um, rhubarb. So we had rhubarb for years, and it just, it just did not do well. In fact, eventually, half of them died. And there was actually some rhubarb up in the woods and it would spring up like just a little bit and then it would die. And, and so we took that rhubarb out of the woods. We took the rhubarb from where we put it. And our rhubarb this year, it is just like going crazy. Like, you're, you're, you know, we actually, we got a lot from John Minor, so appreciate that. And, uh, but, but what made the difference? Most, was, it, was it John's roots? No, it wasn't his roots. We got mushroom soil from Matt Holbrook. Right? We got a whole front-end loader of it. In fact, two front-end loaders. For, and we put it in a... Now, you don't want to do this with all your vegetable gardens because it'll burn it because it's too rich. But rhubarb loves it. So the soil, the soil made all the difference. And you know what? Following Jesus is the richest possible soil for healthy relationships. On this kayaking trip, Friday night, talking to a number of different guys about their stories. And it was interesting you know, this guy's in his 30s, this guy's in his 60s, and yet they're sharing the same story with me. Man, there was a time in my life where, man, I had a lot of fun, and I went to parties, and I did this, but when everything hit the fan, I, I, I had no friends. There was no one who would stand by me, and he said, I, I look at my life now, and not only am I happy, 
And not only do I have joy, but I got this guy right here and that guy right there. And Tim Ritchie, who's not even here today, but he's going to baptize me tomorrow. And I got these other guys. And they, I have friends now. Now that I know Christ and I'm following Christ and I, I've found others who are following Christ and they, they have stuck with me. And following Jesus. It's a, can you have friends who don't follow Jesus? Absolutely. Can you have good friends? Yes, but I'm telling you, the richest soil. You can grow rhubarb anywhere. Well, in a lot of places. But you really want it to flourish. It's, it's rooted and established in love that comes from Jesus Christ. And he says, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It is a together with all the Lord's holy people kind of thing. You cannot successfully follow Jesus Christ alone. It might work for a little while, but eventually you'll crash and burn. We were created. Jesus started out 12, 12 followers, disciples. He was teaching them. You, you, you can't do the Lone Ranger thing. You, you need other people. I was down about four weeks ago, six weeks ago at uh, Iglesia Electric City for their first baptism, and it was so neat to see so many of those Spanish speakers who are part of our church that have gone there to start that new church. One of them was Gendry, and uh, Gendry had just had his birthday party the day before, and he was telling me about it. He says, yeah, uh, we played soccer, you know, we had cake and food, and, and I said, oh, that's really neat. And he says, yes, I like to invite a couple of my saved friends to things like that, and then I invite lots of my unsaved friends. So that's interesting. Well, why do you do that? Because I want my unsaved friends not just to get to know me, but I want them to get to know my saved friends and see the difference and the joy and, and build relationships with them. And so that's why I had a birthday party, so that we could all get together, so I could introduce these people to these people. And we played soccer and we did, you know, ate food together. But I thought, man, he gets it. That's exactly, he realizes, man, I can't, on my own, I'm not going to be a really effective witness to my friends, and Gendry's a really shy guy as well as that, but he says, but together with all the Lord's holy people, man, rooted and established in love, there's power in that. There's an incredible power to change others' lives, to change our own lives. Rooted in Jesus Christ, second quality of godly friendships is they're strengthened through serving. Now, the problem with serving, so this is, Ephesians goes on in chapter 4, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, and those guys, their job was to equip his, his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So how do we become mature? By serving each other. That's how we grow. That's kind of the weeding that goes on in a garden. And, and this, is, this is so important. The thing is, when we think serving, we think like, ah, like a job, right? Many times. But when you serve friends, you know what it feels like? It feels like friendship. It feels like home. It feels like fulfillment. It feels like joy. When you serve someone who's your friend, it doesn't feel like work at all. 
You know, and there's such a fulfillment and a, and a growth in that. And, and, and so just, just serving others. Now, we have programs, but you're not really supposed to serve in programs. You're supposed to serve people. And so, you know, if you want to be involved in children's ministry, don't, don't volunteer to serve in a program. Volunteer to serve kids and love individual people. And, and, and the same with any other way of serving, this, this don't go to church, be the church, October 17th, we're going to meet together on Sunday and then we're going to not, not preach, not sing any songs, we're just going to leave and do stuff. Find a person to serve. Someone mentioned someone to me and went to a trailer park and uh, worst trailer in the trailer park, 70-something-year-old lady needs a, a ramp built uh, up to her door because she had a stroke, and so she's not able to get around, and, and she, she told me, she's like, now, now we're, we're trying to borrow some wood from some friends, so we can, I said, don't worry about it. We'll bring the wood, we'll build it, we'll, and, and you know what? I, I don't think that's going to be like, oh, what a, what a draining, exhausting day. We went and built this porch for this lady with a, the, her dog was trying to bite me constantly. It was a little chihuahua, and I, said, I thought, it'd be imp- I wanted to kick that thing so bad. <laughs> like, I'm like, I can't kick the dog. I'm here to help, you know? Like, but just teach it a lesson. Do you know how little you are? Like, you're going to bite my ankles? Oh, my word. I don't think he could reach my knees. But that's off the subject. All right. But serving, serving is fulfilling when it's people. The reason we have programs, in fact, one year I decided I'm not going to lead a small group. We're just going to have people over on our own. And so for the first month and a half, we invited, I invited some people for lunch. I invited some people for dinner another day. I thought, man, if we, have, if we just have like five people over on average every week, we, we could have easily over 200, 300 people over to our house um, by the end of the year. I thought, this is a great idea. After about seven or eight weeks... I stopped inviting people. Why? Because it relied on my initiative to do something every week different. Whereas with a program, it doesn't rely on your personal initiative. It just happens. And we've had a small group in our home, and you know what? It just happens because I don't have to call them every week. They just show up, <laughs> whether we want them to or not. No, I, I don't know. I just thought that would be funny to say. It's not... It's not true. We wanted, we wanted them. Hey, seriously, we wanted them to show up. I wouldn't have invited them if I didn't want them to show up. So um, anyway, I'm getting off the side. So serving, serving is so important. Uh, that, that, that is good soil, good uh, way we strengthen um, our relationships with other people is, is through serving. Um, and it feels like friendship when it's actually people. In fact, you know, I'm a, I'm a, um, I coach 10 and 11-year-olds. And here's the thing. The, the most serving part of coaching is before the season starts. And the reason is, is because you don't know any of the kids. And so it's all like, okay, I got to get a list, a texting list, and I got to get an email list, and I got to send out the information about it, and I got to get their sizes for their shirts, and I got to, you know, and all this stuff. And, and some of these kids, I don't even know who they are. So, so I'm not really serving people at that point. I'm, I'm serving a program. But man, once the season starts, we had a game yesterday, and um, I think it was Wes Parks was the coach of the other team. 
just a great guy. And he's like, hey, we started the game early. Let's do overtime. I'm like, sure, because it was 1-1. So we did overtime, sudden death overtime, nobody scored. He's like, let's do shootouts. I'm like, yeah, that would be fun. And so we, did, you know, we didn't have time for five shootouts, so we did the three. And this kid, Cruz, was the last one. They had scored two. We had scored one. It was down to Cruz. If Cruz scored, we'd tie if he, if he missed. And he'd never, he'd never, we didn't, we don't practice shootouts when you're, they're 10 and 11 because you don't do them. So this is just a fun thing. And I picked him because he can basically just kick it hard, you know. And Cruz went up and, and you can tell with some kids, Cruz is one of those kids that um, criticism kind of, like a lot of criticism, but, but man, he, he wound up and he, and he made it. You know, the goalie dove for it went off the goalie's hands and right into the goal, and he was just like on cloud nine. And his dad's coming over, and he's like, Cruz, man, that was awesome. And like the whole team celebrating. That didn't feel like serving. That felt like fun. It felt like, you know what? I mean, and before soccer, sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I got to. And I had to skip the end of the kayaking trip, and, you know, and I'm like, ah. Oh. But man, once I was there, I'm like, what? This is awesome. And this is how friendships are strengthened when you serve one another and help each other out. Um, there's a huge difference between helping a program and helping a person. The third thing, um, great godly friendships have this ingredient, and they protect each other. And this is so important because it, it goes both ways. As, as macho as you might think you are, or as what's a macho woman called? I don't know. Um, as you might be, like, you can't do it alone. All right, men or women, you, you, you can't do it alone. And the flip side is, there is someone else out there who needs you. And they can't do it without you either. P protection. And Ephesians goes on to say, then we will no longer be infants. What a scary picture. Picture infants tossed back and forth by waves. Blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. I mean, I just picture a, a baby in a basket on the ocean. It's one thing to put it by on the in the Nile, in the in the bulrushes, the reeds, where it's kind of a, a you know, there's not a lot of current there. To put a baby in a basket on the ocean, that's nuts. That's crazy. Like, and he's saying that's what it's like if you're a Lone Ranger Christian. You need the body, especially when you're recently saved. He's saying, when you're a baby in Christ, man, you need the body. And so often, the people who tell me they don't need church are those who are, who are baby Christians. And they don't understand. They're like, well, but you don't need church to be saved. No, you don't need to be church to be saved, but you need church to follow Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did. He, every, every Saturday, he went to the synagogue. He read the scripture. He, he gathered people around him. He taught them. They, 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 they had conversations together. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And so that's the protective part of godly relationships is we speak the truth in love. Um, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And sometimes what you need is not what you want. 
and you need to hear, do you have friends who can tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it? That is a protective thing. There's so often, there's, you know, the deceitful scheming. Someone might show up at your door and say, hey, you know, the Trinity, that's not real. Jesus is actually the Archangel Michael. He's not, he's not really God and, and confuse you. And you need friends who can come and say, no, no, let me show you from God's word. How Jesus is God. You know, I and the Father are one. Um, you know, before, before Abraham, I am, you know, and, and, and the I am is, is God. You know, and so you need that. But then you need, need friends who speak the truth to you in love and say, you know what? That, that girl you've been hanging out with, she's trouble. That man, he's, he's not telling you the truth. Like that, that, that habit in your life, you need, to, you need to stop that. You think it's under control? It's not. You know, friends can't pull out your weeds, but they can point out your weeds. All right? We need to realize I, I cannot be the Holy Spirit in someone else's life in that I can't change them, but that doesn't mean I don't point something out. And... and if you're a good friend, and this is best done in relationships. There's another reason why our rhubarb is doing so well this year, and it's because we built a fence. <laughs> right? I mean, there are three enemies to rhubarb, and this is enemy number one. Right? Enemy number two is the woodchuck. Enemy number three is rabbits, but nothing compared to these guys. Right? I mean, they, we, have, we have like um, blackberries, they eat the blackberry, like with the thorns and everything. It is crazy. Um, and so this is, what, this is what godly friends do. They, they form a fence, a, a protection around us. And then the last thing that, that godly relationships do is they multiply. And, and here's what Ephesians goes on to say. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Growing and building up itself in love. Do you, do you realize that the human body from conception to birth becomes a billion times larger? A thousand million times larger from conception to birth. And then from birth to my, my son Daniel's in fifth grade, he's ten times bigger than he was when he was born. And he's probably going to double in size again. Why? Because he's healthy and he's growing. I am not healthy I am not growing, right? Seriously, and not, not to be like real dark and all that, but doctors have given me 30 years. That's my life expectancy because I'm dying. You stop growing, you start dying. That, that's it. That's why trees live so long. They never stop growing, right? But humans, we, physically, we stop growing. And, and so this is saying, man, spiritually, if you want to be healthy, you're always growing. And, and, and the church is growing, and, and we're reaching other people, and this is the key. If Robert Evans and those 16 people in prayer meeting would have just had a great prayer meeting and, and just gotten right with God completely among themselves and not told anyone and not multiplied and not, and not spread that, two things would have happened. Number one, the revival wouldn't have happened, and number two, they wouldn't have stayed close with God either. Because if you're not multiplying, if you're not growing, if you're not a part of God's mission to reach this world for Christ, you're dying spiritually. 
And, and so we, we need to, to realize this and, and realize that God has called us to multiply and to reach others for Jesus Christ. Um, there's a couple things I meant to mention earlier, but um, we have everyone as you leave, you're going to get um, three invitation cards and the top five tips of how to use them. This is to invite other people to church. Okay, and, and again... If you could privately do what Gendry does, invite people over and, and connect believers with unbelievers and, and tell them about Christ, I mean, I, that is the best way. But, but many times programs can help us do what we need to be doing personally all along. And so, so take this packet and give away those three cards to invite people to, to the open house um, on September 19th. You know, or, or, or maybe even back next Sunday. And here's some of the tips. This is keep them in your wallet, purse, or car. I always, well, not always, because sometimes I give them away and I haven't restocked. But almost all the time, I, I have a couple invites in my wallet, right? So, so I, I see people, I talk to people, I say, hey. And, and honestly, you might think, well, we are the pastor, it's easy. I think it's harder because for a long time, I, I, I was a pastor here for years and I didn't invite people. Because I felt like it was like, hey, come hear me talk. You know? Like, that sounds lame. Oh, you're all about you. What a narcissist, you know? And I was, I felt awkward, so I'd invite people. Hey, come listen to Pastor Brett speak, you know? Like, I'm not speaking this Sunday. I, I feel more able to, and then I got over it. So, um, and I invite people now anyway, even if they think I'm a narcissist. But, um, you know, and then who to give them to and how to, but but just to, 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 to become a part of what God's plan is to fix almost everything that's wrong in the world today by making more and better disciples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just uh, thank you. I just thank you that somebody obeyed you and went. And then that person went somewhere. And then that person led Mrs. Shoemaker to Christ. And then Mrs. Shoemaker went to Johnson City and led me to Christ. And God, I just pray that that chain uh, would not just remain unbroken and continue on, but that it would get bigger and larger and that we would multiply your kingdom, God. That if there's anything in our life that we wonder about, that we'd get rid of it. And if there's anything your Holy Spirit is prompting us to do, that we would do it. God, help us to form godly friendships, to take the time to, to, to call some of those online right now. Lord, if they're watching by themselves, Lord, put a person's uh, name in their mind right now. I need to call so-and-so and let them call that person and say, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? God, help us to have spiritual conversations so that we would all be built up and mature, being rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus Christ, protected by the body around us so that we could multiply and grow to become the body that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.